Wanting to get more out of life is strong. Getting the most out of life is Army Strong. There's strong, then there's Army Strong. The strength that comes from expert training in one of over 150 different career fields, as well as money for college. Find out how to get it all. Go army.com slash strong. U.S. Army, Army Strong. Sir, yes, sir. Welcome, dear listener, to our podcast, Jeff and Rick present Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Where we journey through each issue of comics that include a member of the most underrated Marvel series from the 80s while drinking beer. Analyzing awesome and amazing adjacent adolescent adventures and absorbing alcohol. I am Jeff. And I am Rick. Wise men say only fools rush in, but I can't help. Random and bantering with you. Random banter time, buddy. Talk to me. Tell me tall tales and tantalizing tidbits of trivia today. Well, this wise men say only fools rush in, which is originally done by Elvis, right? Uh, I don't know. I don't know music. <laughs> I, 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 I never got into the Lord of the Rings film, so I don't know what Elvis Elvis script is. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> so, yeah, I do believe that that is part of. Gosh, I'm trying to remember who sings that in. Lick the every kind, Yeah, every kind of. Or some kind of wonderful. Who's the band that sings that in that? Is that. Uh, Lick the Tin. Lick the Tin? Mm hmm. Okay. At least from my excessive YouTube Something Wonderful soundtrack. <laughs> Tip, 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 tip. What songs are in here? <laughs> I was like, that seems about right, but. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. It's the yeah. outro credit song. Okay. All right. Okay. That's fine. There you go. And, and Something wh- wonderful. It's a song that's in there. Yeah. Got to say, personal opinion, probably going to be a little controversial. A lot of the songs in Something Wonderful is uh, Some kind of stinkers. Some, Some- Whatever it is. <laughs> kind of stinker songs. So uh, <laughs> I like this one. Okay. Yeah. We might have to go through and look at all the songs that were in Some Kind of Wonderful. I, I recently rewatched it, but... It's probably on the lower end of the John Hughes film. Yeah, I remembered it and was like, oh, yeah, okay. It's it's fine. It's fine. It is a passable film that existed. Yeah, uh, like we were saying, too, and like we've been saying for all of the loners, the cover art is part of our choices for what we're talking about here. And the cover art is a call back to some kind of wonderful and we'll talk more about that on the cover but yeah uh, i looked it up here we've got brilliant mind do anything cry like this i go crazy yeah there's not too many that are really when i fall from billy idol yeah yeah do that one but even that's not all that great so yeah and then there's a lot that are just kind of they're like mumble core or just (laughs) instrumental and i'm like well it's gonna be hard to throw a random banter in on that so (laughs) yeah that's i i can see why you did that i can see why you did that but Choices were made. Choices were made. Choices were made. (laughs) I was going to just mention that in order to expand all of the content that we can possibly do about Power Pack related media, found out that Julie Power, Lightspeed, is a playable character on Lego Marvel (laughs) Avengers video game on the PS4. So my daughter and I have been playing it and we are getting 
pretty close to completing 100% on it. We've opened up nice. nearly everything. We've got a few more of the side stories to do on that, but we're having a wonderful time playing it together, and it's kind of fun playing all the random characters. Mm-hmm. I gotta say, I actually enjoy playing Lightspeed. It's an early character that you can unlock and you can use and she can fly and she can run really fast and it's kind of neat. She's kind of cool. It is pretty cool. There is a lot of those games. Gosh, I can't remember some of the Marvel ones where you could, you know, it's like team ups or something. Marvel Legends. Can't remember. Used to play with a friend of mine and it'd be like, oh, did you know that this game is broken if you pick a flying character? Because it's just like, oh, I'll be Spider-Man or I'll be Wolverine or whatever. And my friend's like, I'll be Human Torch who can fly into the heavens and just do pop-up attacks, which just blast people up off the ground. So uh, I will completely obliterate the screen because you can see nothing but my flying form in the air. And then uh, enemies will perish because I hit a B button or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, where it's just like, oh, there's so many melee people in these games. And if you fly, they just kind of wander around looking at you going... But, but but my hands, they can't reach that far. <laughs> it's a fun game. Get up, do a lot of different kind of cool things with it. And uh, you know what? I'm not going to talk too much about it because we're going to cover it. We are going to mm-hmm. cover it on one of the shows. Once we're done with this, we'll probably play some other Marvel superhero games on, for the Lego because I think I bought a pack with it a while ago. So mm-hmm. it'd be kind of fun to play those. And Daughter seems to be enjoying it, figuring out some of the puzzles. But Excellent. we'll talk more about that probably in our Patreon episodes. If you want to hear us talk about it, you know, check out the Patreon. Probably be my daughter and I, because Jeff's not going to play it. He doesn't have any time to play it. He's too busy doing other things. Oh, you have no idea how much I want to be playing video games. I keep on looking at like video game reviews and like walk through stuff and I'm all, oh, oh yeah, that's, that, that's Elden Ring, huh? That would be cool. Oh, yeah, oh, that's this. That'd be well, fun. So. If you weren't just, you know, blowing off a recording session so you could go to the beach. Yeah, I'm very busy. Going to the beach and telling Rick that I can't record that day because <laughs> that's what I did yesterday. I said, hey, it's nice and the family wants to go out to the ocean and go play. So could we record tomorrow? And Rick said, sure. And I said, okay, goodbye. And then we left and spent the day out the ocean. So yeah, we played out at the sand castle. You know, we played out of the beach. We made sand castles. We tried to fly kite, but there wasn't enough wind. Had some nice... Uh, fish and chips that we ate on a boardwalk looking at the ocean it was just it was really great but the hardest part was playing in the oncoming tide because it's like oh it's 3 30 and high tides at 4 30 man look at those look at that water keep on coming in we'll just pick up camp and move it about 40 feet back so we don't get washed away which is a good choice but aurora's running through the surf and stuff and we're playing we're like yeah and the oh, tide's coming run she's all yeah and then she totally eats it and i'm like oh this is gonna be a mess and so yeah doused with wave and just like sand covered i'm like okay well let's pick you up and she's like i don't want to be in the water anymore it's like understandable she's like i don't ever want to go in water again i'm like you're just talking out of emotions right now you're gonna want to go in later (laughs) let's change you up and dry you off and and then we'll go play in the sand some more so yeah yesterday was a lot of fun we went out to cannon beach and, and played yeah i worked what's that like worse than a beach Better than going to the beach? My hate Equal. for you is rising. Rising like a green <laughs> goblin in a mirror, kind of rising. Oh, that's excessive. Yes, yes, it's very <laughs> excessive, but it's very called for. <laughs> Let's move on. Let's get away from this anger, this tide of anger, this beach of disappointment, the sand of... Sadness. Thank you. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> and let's move on to talk about this comic book, but the only way we can do that is with you giving us a sandcastle type two-sentence replay from last episode that I'm going to kick down. Oh, big bully. I'm going to get me an Iron Man suit. We'll see who's the bully now. 
I'm going to get me a Hulk armor. <laughs> Julie bombs her audition for a movie role, so she outs herself and Johnny as ex-superheroes with very desirable power sets for stunts and practical effect action films to a different director who hires them on the spot because they will work for scale, which is the minimum wage allowable. Julie is super excited about being a paid actress when the director that hired her tries to forcibly casting couch her, so she benches him and does a mini soul search to realize that she has been hiding who she truly is and decides to drop the Hollywood Julie persona just in time for Necra to crash a support group meeting looking for revenge. Now that the, the other characters did some stuff too, but they were mostly placeholder pages that didn't move any stories along, Two sentence replay is over. Why don't you give me a beer and tell us what our power pack pick is? My pleasure, my friend. Like always, I have given you a surprise beer in a brown paper bag that I'm going to now ask you to unwrap, if you will. Well, the bag says loner's number five, and the can says, turn it, Stoop Ultra Mega Good IPA. Stay, please stand by. This is cool. It's a blue and pink kind of uh, Japanese flag look on it. And an old, wow, really, 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 really old, probably portable TV that's yeah, black and white and got the please, please stand by logo on there. So saying like, hey, our, we're not on board yet. So. so do you know why I chose ultra mega good? Because it's some kind of wonderful. <laughs> oh, yes, it is. Ultra mega good is some kind of wonderful. How fun. How fun! I, I gotta tell you, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes trying to match up, and I've been doing both. You've been doing it with our introduction songs, matching up with a movie mm. that's on the cover. Less about what's in the book. I've been trying to match up the movie on the cover as well, and I thought some kind of wonderful. I can find something. I was having a hard time, but I did find Ultra Mega Good, which I considered to be some kind of wonderful. <laughs> some kind of wonderful. That's fantastic. Mm, that smells really good. Yeah, this is the first crack on it was reminiscent of a beer that we had recently where it was had of kind of a bubblegum smell to it. But yeah, it's smelling like a wow, that is a hoppy IPA. Well, it's 6.4% ABV, 58 IBU. So there are some good beers out there. There are even some very good beers. That's all fine and dandy, but until you've had a beer that's ultra mega good, you just haven't lived. We think this beer so perfectly defines Ultra Mega Good, we named it Ultra Mega Good IPA. That's how confident we are. Seriously, how can you go wrong with Citra, Nelson Sauvin, and Strata Hops all in one IPA? Citra's passion fruit, white wine, grape aromas and flavors on a moderately hopped bed of Pilsner and two-row malt. Ultra indeed. Yeah, it can, you can really smell the uh, passion fruit white wine. Yeah kind of yeah. scent to it it's uh it's got those yeah, scents it's uh your clear pale yellow beer very nice respectable yep. little head on it it's uh yeah just the, it's the it's the perfect size head on it because yeah. you're like yeah i could drink through that and you don't have to wait for it you're like oh yeah there's a little bit of foam bubbly beer smells good it's a refreshing very refreshing smell huh. i don't know if we're just getting used to malt or if we're getting used to ipas or are the the flavor of hops but the first sip of this is really nice, really smooth. I'm getting a lot of those good fruit flavors. And then about two or three seconds later, hello, here is the rusted metal. Yeah, uh, that started for me. It came in and said, it's effervescent and bubbly. And then it went right into curl your tongue, watch your face die, don't like, don't yep. like. And then, and then I started getting the aftertaste of like the the fruits and the passion fruits and the and the wines yeah. and, and the citra hops and everything. So it's kind of like it's like well, it's got a, a pleasanter aftertaste that it had a very fast start taste on it. That mid to, uh, mid note that basically from the beginning to the middle for me was like 
yeah, you don't like this, do you? And I'm like, no, nope. I, I gotta, so. I gotta admit, all the pieces around the strong hop hits is good. Yeah. The problem is, is right yeah. in the center of the taste of this is straight up hops. Yeah, you are gonna have to love the taste of hops in order to really, really appreciate this. Because I gotta tell you, I like the su- the flavors that I'm getting around the side. That citrus, that passion fruit, the grape aromas. All of those, all mm-hmm. that stuff on there is great. It's just that hopped bed of Pilsner and two road malt. There's not enough malt in here. That's that's a bit of a problem for me. The nose on it is really good. It is a very pleasant, really refreshing nose where you're like, oh, that smells great. I love that aroma. I would love to walk into a room or outside or wherever and be like, hmm, this has got it going on. But yeah, that long-term taste on it is pretty rough for me yeah. right now. But again, yeah, the the aftertones on it and the, like you were saying, all the stuff surrounding the core flavor are really nice. I, I think we are going, I've got a bad feeling about this one. I have a feeling that we're going to get to the end of drinking this and it's not going to rate high for us. But I think I'm going to go ahead and say right now, anybody out there who loves hops, this may be the beer for you. But we will see what it's like in about an hour after we talk a bit about this comic book. Jeff, what comic book are we talking about? The Loners, issue number five, October 2007, Chinks in the Armor. Credits, writer, C.B. Sobolski. Artist, Carl Maline. Ink assist, Mark Pennington. Colorist, Beth Satello. Letterer, V.C.'s Russ Wooten. Cover artist, Jason Pearson. Editor, Molly Laser. Executive editor, Tom Brevoort. Editor-in-chief, Joe Casada. Publisher, Dan Buckley. Featuring The Loners, Lightspeed, Julie Power. Darkhawk, Chris Powell, Green Goblin, Phil Yurick, Ricochet, Johnny Gallo, Turbo, Mickey Mushashi, Spider-Woman, Maddie Franklin, and guest starring Necra, Hollow, and some mysterious lady. And we are in the thick of it. We would start singing Kung Fu Fighting, but this is more like street yard brawling. Necra is swinging into the basement and the heroes start reacting. Chris powers on. Maddie lets loose the bone arms. Julie floats up and Johnny jumps back. It's a whole new dance craze. Let's call it the superhero shuffle. Beyond the impressive initial reaction, our loners seem to be getting owned. Cool. Mickey and Phil are hanging back, and we get some internal thoughts by Mickey, our omnipresent narrator of this issue. Something about trust being broken by strangers and friends and teammates and loved ones failing her. Yeah, <laughs> I get it. Try having this guy as a co-host. Hey, yo, I'm sitting right here. Hey, yo. I am just reading the lines that you gave me. Well played, writer of these lines. Well played. Darkhawk has fallen for a faint maneuver by Necra that has allowed the skimply clad villainess to grab him like an oversized baseball bat and then slam our armored aggressor into Julie. Slam. And then toss him through the ceiling. Shoom. Johnny then saves Mickey from the collapsing rubble. Crush. Mickey is trying to lead the powered members of the team into some type of effective, what's the word, defense, pointing out the Necra is using the close quarters to her advantage. But it's not going well. Seems like Johnny and Maddie are too busy reliving the glory days of when they beat her last time to really listen. And soon both Johnny and Maddie are unconscious, slammed to sleep by a 2x4 Necro was playing with. This leaves our unpowered and unsuited duo, Mickey and Phil, to deal with one bad word that I won't say here. Phil, attempting some chivalry question mark, tells Mickey to stand back while he starts to have a mental breakdown and swings a pipe at Necra. Crank. 
which she easily blocks before delivering a mighty solar plexus punch to the former Good Green Goblin's guts, sending him flying into the rubble field. Poom thwack! Now that the playing field is unleveled even more from the 6 to 1 to 1 to 1, it is time for the last ladies to dance. Necra gleefully goes in for what will obviously be a kill shot on Mickey, grabbing her throat and coming in very, very close. Um, is Necra going to make out with or kill Mickey? Inquiring minds want to know, because right now it seems kind of like both. Jurassic Fwump. Unknown because Necro was just stabbed from the back and through the front by some type of red psychic blade. Wait, what? No one on the loners has that kind of power set. You are so right. Let's meet the new girl. You mean Hollow? Uh, we met her already last issue. No, not Hollow. I should say, meet the newest new mystery girl with wild red and black hair pulled back, wearing a midriff-bearing shirt, leather pants, leather choker, and a psychic blade coming out of her wrist. Punk look. Nice. Well, what's her deal? No clue. First appearance. No info. Not a knowledge. Well, I do not know if that is good or bad. Fifth issue in, and from the original cast that started in The Runaways, we have added Maddie, Necra, Delilah, Hollow, Mysterious Japanese Lady, and now this Mysterious Redhead. For a title called The Loners, there sure seems to be an awful lot of them. We're going to need to start mapping this out on a whiteboard. Weird Blade retracts into the lady's arm and she helps Mickey up. When asked who she is, Redhead says, I don't know. Terrific! More secrets and puzzles to parse out. Darkhawk has clouded his way back into the room and is also confused by the new girl, which is never a good thing. When Darkhawk gets confused or angry or bored, he tends to react with uncontrollable violence. But he backs down when Mickey states that this scarlet stranger took out Necra and is helping her get off the ground, so she must be one of the good guys. Chris turns off the armor, grabs Mickey in his arms, and they kiss. Right in front of the rest of the group, who are all getting up too. Now wait a minute. Uh, they've not told anybody, right? Right. Well, double shots of shock and awe all around, save for Julie who says she told you so to Johnny. I'm sure that this group of young people will treat this romantic revelation with an accepting attitude and an open mind. Phil storms off with a twitching eye and a dark look. He'll be fine. Ha! Julie Asquith crawled up Phil's butt. I'm going to go out on a limb and say the Green Goblin with a side of jealousy. But everyone else has it confused with the results of the Tuka's trashing Phil was on the receiving end of. Johnny now notices there's another young woman that he can hit on here. But then he recognizes her from the Fujikawa lab where he found Hollow. She was in a tube alongside a bunch of other ladies. If I can tell you something, from my own personal experience, when it comes to pickup lines, informing a woman that you have seen her in a tube will not work 9 out of 10 times. You need a certain je ne sais quoi status bearing in order to sell a line like that. And not to brag or anything, but I actually used a similar line on this gorgeous blonde I met at the bar in my early 20s. I feel like there's a hook in this worm, Rick, but sure, I'll bite. What happened? According to my lawyer, the restraining warrant is still in effect against me, and through some intense physical therapy, I was able to use my pinky again. Lessons were learned, but the loners are still trying to figure all that out. Mickey is all in on this plot-convenient party crasher, but she wants Chris to power up and keep an eye on Necra, who is still breathing. This new woman, who does not remember anything except that her name is Nami, just knows that she walked in, saw Mickey in trouble, and then the blade appeared. Then, tears in her eyes, she asks for help. 
Now I have to say, for a group that calls themselves the loners, they are adept at picking up more and more people. Maddie is not down with another hot girl on the team. Or she is just suspicious because Necra and Nami both happen by their not-so-secret clubhouse at the same time. And they both have a connection to the Fujikawa lady from an earlier issue. And they both start with the letter N. And they both are mysterious. And, 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 and... And speaking of which, Maddie wants to know what this deal was all about. And Mickey continues to remain silent on that. Ree, ree, ree! I guess LA cops get curious when a church blows up. And now is the point where Julie speaks up. Remember how she was about to come clean with some serious secrets? Well, one of them is that she actually is not registered as a superhero. Oopsies! Ooh, that could be a problem. Yeah. The current law of the land is that if you have superpowers and you use them, you might be a red... No, no. The government needs to know your name. And apparently, Julie never registered. Not cool. Even if they did not know this, Julie is seen as a fugitive, and this can endanger all of them as aiders and abettors. Chris and Maddie are outraged. Outraged, I say! Which is the normal setting for them. Johnny, once again, is the voice of reason. Let's deal with this later, but for now, Julie and Naomi should make like a tree and get out of here. It's leave, you blockhead! Then there's some more complaining about trusts and being broken and all that kind of stuff, but Mickey eventually takes charge and tells them to skedaddle. One house on fire at a time is more than enough to deal with in a sitting. And so skedaddle they do. Back to an In-N-Out Burger, home of the double-double animal-style burger. Hey, product placement will get you everywhere. Or at least free burgers if we're lucky. Free burgers for Julie, but no free burgers for us. Aww. Nami is not hungry, and also not happy that they are not in a more private place. Well, you see, Nami, according to Julie, a more private place would not have these juicy, tasty burgers and would also allow a potentially crazy, unknown person who just appeared and can do some superpowered stuff to potentially murder a girl who is hungry. So, let's just be people people today, okay? I really wish you would not try and write these witty witty lines before you have your coffee. And I wish you would stop pretending to know who you are. What? That is not me. That is Nami. And I do not think that she is pretending. The last thing she remembers is a woman's smile and voice saying, We'll meet again soon enough! And then the lights went out. Then her memory picks up about, oh, six pages ago. She has no clue how to access her powers or even what they are. No memory of anything at all besides right now. And even now is a little hazy, what with the uh, smell of yummy burgers in the air and all. Well, Memento Girl may be destitute, but Julie is positive that everything will work out just fine. As long as there are burgers. Are you hungry? Because now I'm hungry. Yeah, but I'm afraid we have to keep moving on. No free burgers for us? No free burgers for us. Speaking of being afraid, let's talk about Phil's apartment. I guess we should. Hollow is afraid, very afraid, because Phil is talking to himself, or he's talking to himself as the Green Goblin in the mirror. Not good. No, not good at all. And I'm not sure which of the two is more sane. Phil believes that Mickey still loves him. She doesn't and hasn't loved him. And the goblin thinks Phil is losing his mind. He is currently losing it and has lost it before. <laughs> so that leaves us with an insane man in the bathroom and a killing machine crouched and scared in the corner. Can things get any more worse? Maddie and Johnny are at Johnny's apartment. 
Oh, that sounds like it has the potential for getting worse written all over it. They are hanging here until the team regroups. Johnny apologizes for the messy apartment, but Maddie doesn't mind. She does pick up one of his guitar hero controllers and challenges him to a game. Johnny momentarily declines and says that he needs to go take a shower to get the necro stink off of him. Maddie takes this unobserved time to search her <clears throat> friend's apartment. What's wrong with that? You don't just search your friend's apartment when they are taking a shower. I have found that it is much more awkward to search someone's place when they are not distracted. And how else are you going to find all that sweet, sweet chocolate that they have hidden? I don't think she's looking for chocolate. But her search of his bedroom is cut short when he steps from the bathroom wearing nothing but a towel and some steam and a smile. Well, that is awkward. How will Maddie ever explain this? She pushes him on the bed and... And what? And there is a steam, a smile, and no towel. But we were a family-friendly podcast, and this is pushing into a 1980s PG rating. Then we should move on. Shortly. Really? It really says that. Oosh. Harsh. Maddie is in the bathroom having a moment of shame and questioning her decisions and life choices. Then she takes a call from a Mr. St. Commons. Casey St. Commons was a teammate and friend of Johnny's when he was a member of the Slingers. Casey was last seen in Amazing Spider-Man Volume 5, Number 93. And apparently, Maddie is doing some private eyeing and spying on her friends on the side to see if Johnny has info on Casey's whereabouts for her family. Because Maddie is the worst. Sure. Whatever. She walks out, looks at the sleeping Johnny, and says that this is gonna be awkward. I think she's just having some guilt about her decisions. And actions. Maybe, but let's look at some other relationships, like Chris and Mickey. <laughs> oh, yes, let's. They're having a talk in Mickey's apartment. Mickey is still in shock over the attack and the threat Necro made to her. Chris reminds her that this stuff happens to them all the time. You see, here's a secret, Mickey. We're superheroes. Wrong thing to say, Chris. Everyone in that room had access to powers except her and Phil, who doesn't think of himself as a hero anymore. Mickey is feeling helpless, and Chris tries to soothe her. They are trying to stay out of their costumes and not use their powers. But of course Mickey turns it around saying that they all have pity on her. Well, now we do. Again, Chris tries to show that they think she's the lucky one. She can just take off her suit and walk away. She has a choice. Slap. Apparently, that was the wrong thing to say. Well, Chris did say it, so... The issue is that Chris wears this amulet, you know, this jewelry, this accessory, his own Isildur's Bane, if you will, and he can just take it off whenever he wants. But he doesn't want to take off his precious. Exactly! He sees that the Darkheart persona is part of him, and he is in charge of this power. But why would he leave his birthday present? Are we going to make Chris Gollum now? Meh. Sure. Bing bong. Unfortunately, it's at that moment that they are interrupted by a fight. Whoa, getting ahead of yourself there, buddy. But yes, this fight is being interrupted by the participant of the next fight, specifically Hollow and the Thing. Wait, what are you talking about? I am sure that it is Hollow and Raphael from TMNT. Huh, it could be Hollow and Horse Alex when he's in disguise. Uh, you know, I'm sorry, folks, but we're confused. Anytime a character arrives in a trench coat and a hat, we, we just can't recognize them. Comic book law, you know. Mickey believes that it is Phil, so let's go with that until one of us is proven wrong. 
Nikki is super annoyed that Phil has disguised himself, but not the mummified, red-skinned, spiky-haired, long-clawed mutant that he's hanging out with him. I mean, this is L.A. and all, but sooner or later, someone's gonna notice Hollow. Phil don't care. He'd be all honey-badgering with the attitude, especially when Mickey grabs him by the arm. It seems that her doing that might have set him off. Now you wanna get nuts? Come on, let's get nuts. And that's pretty close to what's going on. Phil grabs Mickey's throat and starts talking ugh, crazy. Basically, he sounds like two-thirds of the post on the tweets of Tinder Tumblr. Mickey smacks Phil away and he starts blaming Mickey as being the problem. Apparently, in the broken worldview of the guy with the green goblin in his head, he moved out here and started working because of the plan. The plan included them, Mickey and Phil, starting over, helping each other and others together forever. So, I'm assuming that Mickey never got this memo. <laughs> oh, crazy boy ain't done yet. He thinks that Mickey tricked him and only put this group together to feel better about herself and to find the perfect partner. One that was not Phil. I mean, that is a story that is as old as time. Mickey disagrees. But Phil is just not in the listening headspace. You see, he loves her, and she let him on because she wanted someone with power. Well, if she wants power, he will get power. That would be the sound of a flower vase slamming into Chris's head. Phil follows up that throw with a ripping open of Chris's shirt, taking the amulet and turning into Darkhawk. Oh, goody, goody. I am excited to see what mental stability the violence-inducing space rock brings to the deranged man having a psychotic episode. I bet it fixes his issues right as rain. Do you really believe that? No. To be concluded. So, Jeff. 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 Yeah. Jeff. Rick. Jeff. Rick. Jeff. Rick. Let's talk about this issue, shall we? <laughs> we can do that. <laughs> we can right. speak about the themes of this issue. We can, we can, we can, we can. And we have another lovely, lovely Pierce, Jason Pearson drawn cover here. Like we said, this is based upon the movie poster from Some Kind of Wonderful. And in the movie poster, we have Eric Stoltz kind of in the background. He is Keith Nelson. And in his place, we've got Chris. Standing in front of him is the girl of the piece, which is in the movie, it is Leah Thompson, who plays Amanda Jones. And in that spot, we've got Mickey. And off on the side, kind of the the third wheel, if you will, is in the poster, Mary Stuart Masterson, who plays Watts. And in this one, we've got Phil. So this little thing here is kind of what's going on. Mm -hmm. Now, in the movie, it gets a little more mushy. In the movie, we've got two best friends, which is... Uh, Eric Stoltz and Mary Stuart Masterson, they're a really close friend, but the guy likes the popular girl, and that's the Leah Thompson character here. The girl likes the boy, but anyways, you know, there's the girl at the center that's causing chaos with everything, and yeah, there, what we're saying here is there's a love triangle. Yes, there's a love there triangle, is. and the person on the outside of the triangle is Phil's character here. So I, I like, I like this. I like this cover because this cover really sets up what's going on we've got phil on the outside and the other two on the inside so i i do dig this one i like yes this. i still think that uh, chris and mickey should be in different spots they should be swapped if they were trying to go for the they were going for gender conformity in the uh, in the illustration but they should be swapped because mickey was the object of affection 
Yeah, yeah, I, I, I get that. But also, this is Mickey's story. Yeah. So she does, in the movie, it doesn't really play out like that. But for what we've got going on here, she is the center of what's happening. Eric Stoltz's character is, yeah, he's the object of affection. But it's really everybody's, or it's he's chasing after the girl. and. Mm. Anyways, I still like no, it. I think it's pretty it cool. Is, it ties in really well. And especially the, oh, these two are in a relationship. It wasn't hidden like with what Chris and, and Mickey were doing, but there was the outsider who was just like, it's the friend of Mickey's who really likes her and gets upset when the relationship gets going with, you know, with Mickey and Chris going on. So it, 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 ha- it parallels really nicely that way. It does. Let's get into the book itself. And I guess well, since we're talking about this triangle thing here, Mickey and Chris are finally out. And apparently this is a shock to everybody except for Julie. Yep. Julius figured this all out already. This is not too much of a surprise for her. Trying to figure out Phil's logic here is kind of interesting because, yeah, he probably had some feelings for Mickey. He probably had a vision of how this all was going to happen in his head and what he wanted from this relationship and what he wanted from this group, but he never did anything about it. And also at this time, he's also potentially having some feelings for hollow yeah it seems like he is because he's getting the the warm fuzzies off of thinking about like hollow came up to me and kissed me and was like you it does in fact seem like he is having he he does have feelings for i don't know if they are romantic or not it just seems like he kind of thinks about it like oh that's pretty cool but he's more just being a caretaker for i think one issue i've got here is i don't know I don't know what's going on here, and I know that this is something we're going to talk about next issue, because next issue is going to be the last of this miniseries, but I think I've read somewhere where this was planned to be a much longer series, possibly into like 18 or 20 issues. Oh, okay. So an actual Definitely run. much, much longer, and it was cut very, very short. So I think C.B. Sabalski had some plans that he was building up, and he wanted to do some things. I think this may be coming just a little too soon. Okay. It would have been a better to see more of a buildup of how Phil was trying to reach out or there was more of a connection that between what Phil and Mickey supposedly had in Phil's mind. Yeah. And and it just doesn't seem like his turn here at the end really fits. No, I see it along the lines of it would have been good if they had expanded upon it because it could have showed their friendship and them working together and buddying up and going to lunch and it, and then they could have done things like, you know, Phil going, "Hey, Mickey, do you want to do you want to do dinner tonight?" You know, just the kind of the innocent like friendly kind of thing. It's like, "Oh, no, I've got plans. I can't tonight, but I'll I'll see you tomorrow at work." That kind of thing. What I really see on this though is a lot of it boils down to Phil's having a break. He's having a mental yeah. break. And that is leading it where he's really especially since it's like, oh, it's supposed to be a 20-issue thing, and now it's a six. It really compacts it in. But it also is a good thing for saying it's like he's having a mental, emotional breakdown, and he is seeing what was, you know, the storyline that he put in his mind isn't there. And he's making it very forefront. But again, it's because he's he's having a psychotic break. Yeah, I guess it's been building up for that. I would have liked to see more. Mm -hmm. I think that, I think there's some good things here. I just, I'm feeling a little bit of the time crunch where it may not have gotten a chance to breathe as much as it wanted to. It is, for as much kind of slop as there is in here, where there's a lot of, I even said it in the the two-sentence replay at the beginning, like the previous episode, it was like, the other characters did stuff, but it didn't move storylines along. It it was holding places, it was a soap opera. It was the whole, oh, 
uh, these two and oh, there's dire straits and they're talking. And then if you came back five months later, they'd be this continuing sentence that, you know, that storyline where it's like, there's nothing going on there. It's holding places. And that's going on a lot. So there's a lot of, of fluff holding spots, but also it's massively compacted. Look at the number of people they have in here. It's like every other issue they're jamming in. It's Maddie's on board. Now Hollow's on board. Now we have Namie. It's okay. I, I think we should probably talk about that. We started off with six characters here. Mm-hmm. And now we are really pushing this cast out a bit more and we haven't really gotten the chance to spend enough time with the characters on the central part of the team. There is some fertile ground here to have great stories with every single one of these characters. None of the loners are, are boring characters are throwaway characters. You can do some interesting things with every single one of them. Darkhawk has got a pretty deep history himself coming from the 90s we've seen a lot where he's at we are just really touching enough of the surface Ooh, his amulet's driving him nuts we can do a lot of good storylines on figuring out more about what that amulet is mm-hmm. and how it's affecting him and his own psychosis himself we need to get into a lot of mickey's backstory especially with her mysterious talk she had with the mysterious other japanese woman maddie has got she keeps dropping these breadcrumbs of doing all these other things. And I'm not, we, we've never really liked the Maddie storyline because she's just kind of a jerk and we're yeah. not getting any other side of her. Let's get some more sides of her. Each one of these characters has a lot to them. And I think we could, they could all be developed a lot. And instead we're throwing more and more characters mm-hmm. onto the pile. It's like, what we need is more storylines. It's like, no, we need to kind of resolve some stuff and learn what's going on with these people. Cause again, like you said, Maddie, Maddie, we don't really like, I don't really like her. I think she might be great in other stuff or something where people are like, Oh, she's awesome. But she's not likable. She's a jerk to people. She's using people. She's lying to them and she's not advancing anything. She yeah. is saying, well, we need to do this stuff. And she does nothing about it other than snark and complain. Yeah. And once again, we're starting to talk about a contracted storyline. Mm-hmm. Maybe all the stuff that she's setting up is coming up to a big, messy ending with a lot of these other things. Well, we're not getting it. So we're not getting that development. Instead, we're we're introducing more characters in here. Halu could be interesting, but she's such an enigma mm-hmm. early on. Okay, well, let's try to figure out that enigma. Now we have Naomi. A brand new is- enigma. Incredibly new. So let's talk a second about who Naomi is. She is the character you see in front of you with this book. She, this is her introduction into the Marvel Universe. Hello, Naomi. <laughs> Just, you, you, I saw you in a tube, and now yep. you're here with no memory, but apparently your, your wristbands can shoot out an energy blade. I'm going to tell you right now a spoiler for what we've got coming up. We are going to read every appearance of Naomi in the Marvel Universe to date. Oh, man, that's going to take a while. Is that like two, three year of uh, podcasting we should be done with that by uh july by two weeks maybe even earlier two weeks from now we'll be done (laughs) when we do the next episode yeah i mean there is not much to it necra's back cool i guess cool yeah i mean another kind of what's happening today what do we have as far as what where characters are right now well let me tell you right now necra is actually active in the marvel universe right now there's a very interesting Sabretooth miniseries going on Sabretooth has been put into the krakoa prison and he was there alone well there's i think it's five or six new people that kind of came down there and are in a prison with 
Sabretooth, and one of them is Necra. Hmm. Okay. And she's kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. Necra can be a very interesting character. The only thing really interesting about Necra in this book so far has been she is dressed like Necra. Yeah, just her outfit. <laughs> That's it. So I, 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 here's, I want a little bit more of stuff. Okay, here's my thoughts on this is I'm assuming that Mysterious Lady, no, not that one, the first one, the pharmaceutical company owner, whoever she is, the MG, the Japanese, yeah, the Japanese, the Japanese lady, Japanese. that she pointed Necra at the little support group thing and said, like, yes. you know, probably got her out of out of a super jail or whatever, and then said, hey, you know, you know, I'm not saying you should go for revenge, do but you, do you want revenge? Do you want revenge? But she they do meet there every day, all day long, forever. If uh, you know, if you just wanted to sh end up showing up there, so she then knows Necra's going to go there. So then she says, "Hey, hi, Namie, I'm your mom. I'm going to just drop you here." And my thoughts on Naomi is that simply because she's like, I don't ever remember eating. I remember this woman's voice saying, well, I'll see you soon. And then Julie flying her going, you're heavier than you look. I'm like, oh, she's a weapon X or she's a robot or she's, hey, stop, stop me. Stop me if she's a kid with Ultron. What if she's the new, uh, the with new. With you, it's always a robot. It's always a robot. She could you, be a robot or an android. She's probably. You, when you, you and I first met, you looked at me and you said, you're probably a robot. Yeah, I, it's true. And then I said. Then I held up a picture and I said, point to every square that has a fire hydrant in it. <laughs> Just because I couldn't do that because it does not mean I'm not a robot. Yes, and then, I, and then, I, then you said, I'm going to have to pass this one. I said, point out everyone that has a crossing walk in it. <laughs> You're like, stop it! It doesn't nobody compute! Can, nobody can do that one. <laughs> nobody can do that one. I'm assuming she's a child of Ultron or something, or made by this <laughs> drug corporation or something. I'm assuming she's a robot, but I could easily but be I, wrong. You know, we'll figure out everything we need to know about her, but it... There is so much fertile brown ground here for some good stuff, and I'm getting disappointed unfairly because I know this is going to end. In the moment of reading this, I think, hey, we can go so many cool places with this. Where are we going next? There are a lot of stories being set up that they could go places, including still with Julie's story. I mean, it doesn't have to end with that one you know, movie audition. There could be more of her still going like, I'm going to be true to me, but I'm still also going to try and be an actress, and I will... You know, do what you know. Do this. Do the appropriate stuff to do at this time. And then we have Maddie's storyline, which now she's not really following the mutant growth hormone thing. Now she's doing a a private detective guilt, a private detective type of thing, where she's trying to do a missing person thing by sneaking around Johnny's apartment, and she distracts him by sleeping with him. Yeah. Okay. Here's the deal. Johnny is not somebody you have to subterfuge with, really. Here's what she could have done when she he comes out of the shower wearing a towel and was like, uh, hey, Maddie, what are you looking for? And she's all uh, protection for, you know, and then steamy, steamy. She could have just said, you know what? You're right. I have necker stink on me, too. I was looking for a T-shirt. Do you have an extra T-shirt around that I could wear? Done. We still end up in the same place. No, a better place because it, it isn't her pushing him onto a bed and then using him as a distraction. It would just be like, I just was looking for a change of clothes. Can I can I borrow a shirt? And it wouldn't have to go anywhere past that. Honestly, I'm going to tell you right now, we've already got it in our mind. This book is T+. This yep. is a teen plus book. We already are getting the call-out signs for PG, John Hughes level mm -hmm. high school antics. And this is one of the high school antics, especially yep. we're talking like 2000s, you know? And Maddie has always kind of come across as this kind of a character. So, you know what? I'm fine with it. I think I'm fine with it. And... As much as I like Johnny, Johnny has also always presented oh, himself yeah. as 
just a guy, you know? He's just a guy, you know. He's also, even he showed his backstory when he's just like, yeah, I like being, yeah, being a hero wasn't yeah. about being a hero. It was about the, the fringe benefits. Yeah. And so, so he digs on that kind of stuff. So he he's he's down to clown on that regard. I, I guess where I'm just having problems with Maddie is, let's pick a lane, Maddie. I Let's pick a lane. It, let's, let's follow the immune growth hormone piece first. And then another story you could pick up on is let's go and look after the slingers kind of things yeah. but it's just a new log on the fire it is one more lines. yeah it is one more storyline to to tend here's what she could have done to figure out what was going on hey johnny have you heard uh, anything from your old teammate uh insert yeah, name but, but here's the thing and, and, and i'm gonna stick up for maddie on this maddie doesn't maddie's character doesn't trust these people yeah well, she doesn't really trust anybody, and nobody should trust her. She doesn't her. trust anybody. So it actually, this is in her wheelhouse. This is, she is her character here. She is playing her character to to a T. Yeah. We may not like it, but at the same time, I respect that because we don't like her for a reason. Okay. I still think, just personally, it could be, just from what I've seen, and just the time that she would have spent with him, she should have been able to figure out what kind of a human he is, which is, he's, he would just tell her. He has not been, here's what he's been reticent about telling people about. He's like, I bear the guilt of my friend dying because I was a sloppy hero that quit and then my friend wanted help and I didn't help him. And he's dead and that's my big secret. His big secret is he feels bad that he feels responsible for his friend's death. That's about it. Let's move on. Let's get into that other parts of this book. Let's talk about the power thoughts. Let's talk about the gallery of greatness. What piece of art in this book needs to be pinned to the now destroyed walls of our AA meeting place? Yeah, that church isn't going to let them come back. No, no. Now it's they're meeting not. at Mickey's apartment. I'm excited to see when that breaks down, too. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and talk about this. Backup joke art. Go ahead and start on page three. Mm-hmm. And I call this one. Let's dance. <laughs> and this is where Necra has grabbed Darkhawk's arms <laughs> and has swung him around and smacked Julie. <laughs> it's uh, like she is swinging her partner. Dosy dose. Yeah, that's on page four of Marvel Unlimited. <laughs> and that might be my top joke one, which I called Bored of This Dance Partner. <laughs> <laughs> I just <laughs> I love Necker's face. She looks so like, hmm, what am I gonna do with this guy? I know, I'll <laughs> chuck him through a ceiling. She's got that kind of like just pursed kind of pensive look while like yeah. looking at the ceiling, going like, hey, wait a minute, I can fit this she round has, hole in she a square has got peg. Her body and her face screwed up mm-hmm. as she is slamming hard Darkhawk into light speed. It is it's so great. Impressive. It is so so great. I love it. Yep. What is what is your backup? joke one then my backup joke one is on marvel unlimited page 13 and i call it burger girls and this is <laughs> bottom right hand panel julie eating a burger and namey mysterious new girl mysterious girl julie's got this giant hamburger in her hand and she just kind of keeps shoving it at namey's face just like you sure you don't want a burger you can have a burger <laughs> you want to eat have a burger that is a good one. I do like it. I like I like most of the scenes when they're in the burger joint. I think that's pretty darn good. It is pretty great. What's funny on this, too, is they actually say in and out burger in the upper left-hand corner on the page, where in when her and Johnny were there, the big sign outside said out and in burger. So they just, within two issues, they were like, oh, we don't even care. We're not even going to try and hide it anymore. It's just what it is. <laughs> 
Okay, this is in the middle of the book, and this is where they are in Phil's apartment. Phil is in the bathroom looking in the mirror, which is always a good sign. Mm -hmm. But I call this one, you're going out looking like that? (laughs) (laughs) And it is actually the goblin face looking at Phil, and Phil is disheveled. He's wearing a, a tank top, and it looks like the goblin is just laughing at him saying, wait, you're going to look like that? You're going out looking like that? Is that the middle panel or the bottom panel? The bottom panel, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. It's on page 14 of Marvel Unlimited, and I call it Laugh and the Whole World Laughs With You because it's my (laughs) backup best one because it is glorious. I I like this one, but then I also just thought, you know, it really does look like he's laughing at him because like, Mm -hmm. oh, you're going to go out looking like that? Yeah, no, I don't think so. I don't think think that's how that's going to work. What I love about this, too, is that it's, it's him looking in the mirror, and the Green Goblin is laughing his head off at him, but also Mm -hmm. the mirror breaks while that's going on. It's it's a duality on that because it shows that Phil's goblin laugh, his psychotic laugh is coming back, which is a sonic attack that he can do. And so it's broken the the mirror. But also, you show a broken mirror when you're looking at somebody, it always shows a fractured mind. Yeah, and that's what yeah, it is. Yeah. And I also really yeah. like uh, the panel that kind of bleeds into this panel, which has Hollow hiding in a corner, looking scared. Yeah. So yeah. I like that combo pack right there. There is some darn good art in here. Mm-hmm. I do like it. I think that they do a good job with with selling a lot of the characters' fears and their phobias and their their own problems that they have. Since we already got your backup good art, let me go ahead and do Mike backup art. And this is after we are introduced to our new girl, Naomi. Mm-hmm. And I call this one, what's my name? No, seriously. <laughs> it's on page eight, and I call it, there's a new girl in town, because it's my top piece of art, because we only have the same art choices. <laughs> Apparently, yeah. No, I, I just, I like the old Heisman from Breaking Bad, say my name. Yeah. And, 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 no, no, seriously, say my name, because I, I don't yeah, know. I don't know what, what it I, is. I, I, I know, know nothing. <laughs> my name is Namie, which is just like saying name. Yeah, she's she's got a very inscrutable look on her face. She's done in shadows. It's it's a really good drawing picture. Really, there really there really is some nice. love that they have with this character in this page. So yeah, she looks good. There's the rubble abounds. There's the cool lighting. There's the blade pop. It's it's a good splash page introductory image of a character. Yeah, and my top one is on the last page, and I call it Goblin Hawk. Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. It's a good yeah. one, too. It was on my list. It's a good one. It's Phil standing there in the Darkhawk armor. It still looks like the Darkhawk armor, but you have the Green Goblin laughter coming out of it, and it's pretty cool looking. All right. Rubber and glue moment time. Best or most childish insults. Jeff, make fun of me. Um, You have a poor choice of friends? Well, <laughs> nah. it is a Thursday night and I'm here with you. Yeah, that's right. Usually it's a Wednesday. I can tell you what my backup one is and I won't use it to make fun of you at all. In fact, I didn't pick this one because it's a good insult. I picked it because it's childish and dumb. And it's from okay. Maddie on page 11. And this is after Namie gets introduced and everything. And Maddie's all complaining to the group, doing what she does, complaining uselessly. And she's mm-hmm. all... Namey and Necra? I'll take evil-sounding names that start with N, please, Alex. <laughs> okay, Necra, I'll give to her. Namey? How's that evil-sounding? That's like... That's a that's a close to name. It's like yeah, it's, what, just, we, yeah, it's it, yeah. it's just like oh, you know, I want to see the new horror movie come out where it's like, and then the killer was revealed to be Namey. That was scary. Oh, did she wear I'm a mask? Not, no. I'm not scared. Not scared. Not scared. Oh, it was Michael Myers. Also not a scary name, but, you know, you get some... Yeah, it's just naming. How is that an evil-sounding name? It's like, Maddie, mm. you just suck. All the way around. Well, 
Speaking of Maddie, mm-hmm. we have kind of along the same area here where Julie just said, hey, oh, oopsies, I forgot to tell you that I haven't med- registered myself as a superhero. Mm-hmm. And Maddie's response to her back is, once a blonde, yep. dot, dot, dot. Yeah, also so, childish and dumb. Not even a yes, good also, one. Yep, I, that, that was my backup one. Now, top one, mm-hmm. I think we might have a top one. I'll be surprised if we don't, because it's Chris saying, you sorry little piece of dot, what, dot, of, dot. Of what? Of what? Of I don't what? know, but still. A little psychotic break, man? Mine is not yeah. that one, actually. That is Chris talking to Phil, and it's the insults there. It's yep. the beginning of that insult. It's the beginning of a really good insult. Well, you sorry little piece of, I mean, it's, it's right there. We just need that last punch, yep. which I think is... That happens to him. Yeah, goblin goops. <laughs> yeah, when he gets in the head with a vase. What about you? What What is yours? Mine is on page twelve, and it is Julie, and that's when she's flying Namie, and Julie just says, "You're a lot heavier than you look." So, yeah, Julie, that's a little harsh. Yeah. you know, Julie, let's let's let as women, let's work together. Yeah, let's okay? not weight shame anybody. No, no, please, no. All right, let's talk about popular or shunned, and I am pretty sure we're going to have a disagreement here, but that's okay. That's okay. We are going to talk about characters who are the best and worst in this issue, and let's talk about it. Let's go ahead and start with the best. I'm going to switch really? around. I want, right. the, I want the best, because mm-hmm. I think we're going to have more talk about the worst. Who do you have for the best? Okay, for the best, it's almost a three-way tie. Mm-hmm. You could say it's Chris, it's Julie, it's Johnny. All okay. of those had some good things going for him. Julie, kindness. Johnny, after he was jumping away from Necra, was good with Naomi, forgave Hollow. And I'm going to go ahead and say right here, that's my top one. Really? Okay. She let the team know why she could not stay. She took Naomi out of there. She trusted Naomi enough to try to learn about her in a public place. Mm. She was very smart about her actions. I liked the choices she made in this, and I thought they were very good choices. Okay. It is a great choice. Again, uh, Chris was, you know, kindness towards Mickey, cared about her a lot, yep. was trying yep. was trying his best in his clumsy Chris way. The And, and then there was Johnny. Johnny saved... Mickey from the collapsing roof. Johnny was okay. also the one who's said, wait, Julie's not registered. Cops are coming. She's got a bag. She's got a bag. Yep. She's got to go. He was the only one thinking about the aspect. Because everybody else like, you didn't, you're fugitives. And we're going to go sure. to jail. He was like, no, what we need to do is just get her out of here. And it's not a problem. Let's do that. So I picked Johnny as the best. Okay. So I picked him as the popular kid. Again, all three of those balanced around. Chris kind of on the later scale, but Julie and Johnny very parallel. Uh, I just okay. picked Johnny. All right. Fair enough. Now, here's where I think we're going to have some some disagreement. Let's talk about worst. There are I three this- choices that you could make, <laughs> and all of them are good. So <laughs> I found it between two. Okay. I call this very tough. I think it could have been Phil or Maddie myself. Mm-hmm. Phil had a psychotic break. Maddie is being duplicitous for her own reason and is using her friends. That's why I ended up going with Maddie. I had to say that Phil is pretty bad, but I think I can wrap up a lot. And this is not excusing him, not excusing him at all. But he had a psychotic break. He has a massive psychotic break. And I think that speaks to his character and what he's going through and what he's doing. I don't agree with anything he's doing, and I don't think it's an excuse. But Maddie is being actively evil. (laughs) She is making absolute choices in using her friends. And I have a bigger problem with that phil is doing terrible things in this he is however on a plus side he did smash a a vase into chris's head and i mean (laughs) i I gotta give it to him for that no it's not forgiving i can forgive phil for his actions it's not an excuse but he has Mm -hmm. a mental issue 
And yeah. so in this is a situation where he's not actively choosing to do that. Yeah. Mickey is also on my worst list. Okay. Mickey, there, you know, there's a victim thing. She was a victim of Necra. But when sure. when Chris like grabs her and kisses her and is like, oh, babe, are you okay? I'm so worried. And she's all, don't you ever worry about me, Chris, until they're together later. And she's like, I could have died. And he's, <laughs> yeah. she, okay, here's a thing that happens in relationships that should not happen. Physical violence. Yeah. Chris is trying to be comforting and supporting to Mickey. Mickey then physically assaults him. She yeah. abused Chris. She slapped him as hard as she could in the face, which didn't phase the big meathead very much. But it was still a wrong thing of her to do. That really put her on the scales for me for not being a you know for being a choice of the worst. However, okay. I'm st- yeah, Maddie as well. <laughs> Maddie, uh, she actively she's not helping. She is only hindering. She is pure snark. She is abrasive. She's caustic. She's toxic. She is actively making these choices. Yeah, hers are not excusable. It is not uh, the slap, the passion of the moment, calling somebody a hypocrite and slapping them. It is not the mental mental instability that Phil has. It is it is cold. It is calculated. It is intentional. She is purposefully doing these actions. But tell me how you really feel. No, yeah. no. let's go ahead yeah. and move on to top grades. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we want to evaluate each issue against the rest of the series and. Here, let's do this. Number one, we've got Wonder Wolf still. Number five, we've got Loners. Number four, what came before this one, where Julie becomes an actress for a hot second. That one is at number five. And at the bottom of the list, we have number three, where Julie's in the hospital and everyone finds out nothing. What lies beneath? Where are you feeling this one? Hmm. Is it a new number one? No. No, I, I, I don't know. There is... There's a lot that's going on here, and we're moving things along. I, I think they're just being moved along a little too quickly. Yeah, it is the that's the problem with it is they discovered that they're not having ten seasons; they're having eight. So yeah, yeah. I I'm looking at the bottom of the list, it's and not, I don't. Yeah, it's, it's not. Wrong. I, I don't think it's. I don't think it's the bottom. It's not though. the bottom. Above that, we've got Runaways number two, where they hunt down Victor, and he discovers. I, I like that one a little yes, bit better. Yeah. I think that this is going to be the new number 11. I think this is right below the bottom. There's something missing. I think we can feel the rushing of this book. I I don't know. There's just, there's a few things here that shouldn't be here and we should have some other things instead. It's weird because they're introducing new aspects while trying to tie some up possibly. It's got weird vibes. It really does. So let's make this one the new number 11. Fine with that. And let's... Let's move on talking about some beer. Okay. And what do we think about this beer that I'm drinking and I'm not making the sour faces as much anymore? No, uh, the, the hops have calmed down. Mm-hmm. The hops have calmed down a lot. Or my it's taste buds have died a little bit. But eh, Whatever. Either or. It's not too bad. I've actually drank quite a bit of it. Mm-hmm. I still have a little bit left over in the can. I've got about an inch and a half in the glass. So, yeah. But I've been sipping it down. The flavors I've toned down a lot, but I'm still getting some of those good fruit flavors that are in there a little bit of wine the hops are still there they haven't gone away totally but they're toned down a little bit i think the the malt is getting in there a bit more mm-hmm. it's a pleasant enough beer i'm thinking that this this probably is on the 
For me, this is a three. If you really like hops, I think this is probably going to be a four or maybe a three of five for you. But for me, I think I'm going to probably have this about a three just because I'm just not enjoying it as much as I think I should. Yeah, it's a strong three. That cracking open the can smelled delightful. It smelled so good. And you pour it and it looks really good. And then you Mm -hmm. taste it and you go, why would you do this to my tongue? Why would you do this to my face? (laughs) And you drink about five more drinks on it. It's like each one of those is like, ah, ah. But after about... 20 minutes in with it, I was kind of like, yeah, I can drink this down. This is fine enough. It's your taste buds get inured to it. You get used to that flavor and that taste. And yeah, it works out. It's something that I would, I would drink again. I wouldn't hunt it down specifically, but I would drink it knowing full mm-hmm. well what the first part of it's going to be like. It's a good three. Okay. Yep. And there we go. We both think it's a three, but you know what we think is a 10 out of 10? Well, that would be Kid's Perspective, and that's where Rick talks to his 11-year-old daughter, Carrie, about the issue that we just covered. So, Rick and Carrie, take it away. Hello, Carrie. Hello, Daddy. How are you doing today? Good, and you? Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. We are talking about the fifth book in this series about the loners, right? Uh, Right. What do you think about this issue of the loners? It's okay. It um, <laughs> introduced a new character, so that's nice. But um, Yeah, let's talk about the new character, Naomi, right? Yeah. What do you think about her? Well, I, don't, I haven't actually really seen her that much, so, you know, <laughs> she's... She's just kind of there, right? She's the average, confused person who doesn't know who they are. Yeah, yeah. Kind of like you as the reader, right? Yeah. <laughs> This is the first time we've seen her, and uh, yeah, we don't know much about her, so she just is there. She looks cool, doesn't she? Yeah, she looks pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, that, that's that's about all. We start with a fight. It's kind of cool. Looks like Necra's going to win, but then Mamie comes in and takes care of things, right? I literally had a health and wellness class today that said that was like explaining all the body parts, so I'm, I guess I'm okay with it now. <laughs> <laughs> They showed pictures, and it, the pictures lasted forever. So, um. <laughs> And we see quite a lot of Necra's body, don't we? Yeah. I feel like they should change that um, <laughs> a lot, maybe. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's a very revealing suit that she's wearing. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about some other characters then. Everybody finds out that Chris and Mickey are going out, right? Right. And Phil is not happy about that. Why not? What's the matter with Phil? Because I think he liked Mickey, too. Yeah, he had a different understanding of their relationship, didn't he? Yeah. How is he behaving? Very badly. Yeah. I mean, turning evil is... Like, basically bad, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's, he's not well. He's got some mental health issues there, and he's not, he's not doing some very good self-care, is he? No. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a lot going on here, but it's just moving us to the next issue, which, uh, spoiler warning, the next issue is going to be the last issue in this series. They're kind of moving forward with this a bit. That's a bit why we have the ending where we have Phil coming in and... What does he do at the end of the book? Steals Chris's amulet and then turns into Green Dark Hawk. <laughs> <laughs> I called him Goblin Hawk. <laughs> Goblin Hawk. I like that one. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, so we're probably going to have that fight next issue, right? Yep. Yeah. I, I kind of liked how even during all the violence of, like, throwing a vase at somebody's head, Hollow just caught a rose and, like, looked at it questioningly, like, is this for me? <laughs> That's a good catch. I'm glad you caught that. It's nice to see some of those background I images, right? Yeah. Actually, it was basically the first thing I always saw. Mm -hmm. Also, the rose kind of blends in with her skin tone, so that's kind of yeah. neat. Yeah, I can see that. We like talking about these covers a little bit because the covers are based on different movies. None of these movies you've seen, but no. I, think, I think I own most of the movies in my own collection. This one is called Some Kind of Wonderful. And I'm showing you the art from the actual poster that's there. So that's what the characters in that movie really look like. And you can see what the cover looks like. It's pretty close, isn't it? Yeah, it actually is very close. Is it the same kind of, like, dating thingy, Majiki? There is a bit of a love triangle that's going on there. In this picture, the boy and the blonde-haired girl, they're good friends. And she really likes the boy. But the boy is going after... The rich, popular girl, which is the kind of redheaded girl wearing the blue shirt there. Oh. So, in this one, though, the blonde-haired girl is trying to help the boy get the girl. But there, it is talking about a love triangle. That's what that is. Hmm. Never get in one of those. It's really bad. Okay? Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> try to stay out of that. <laughs> That's really all I've got to talk to you about this issue. Is there anything else that you want to talk about? I don't think so, actually. Okay. You still hanging in there with the series, though? We've got one more issue to go. Mm-hmm. All right. Then I will let you go. Thank you very much for your time, Carrie. Welcome. I love you. Love you, too. Bye. Mwah. Thank you, Carrie, for joining us. We always appreciate it and love to hear your opinions on the issues. Shout-out time. We like to recognize those listeners who take some time and, you know, tell us about how we're doing. Really wish some more people would tell us how we're doing because we aren't getting that many little likes for our coverage of loners. But yep. that's okay. That's okay. We know you're still out there. We hear the crickets. <laughs> Anyways, this is for episode 106 where we talk about loners number two, reflex actions. Starting with Jeremy Daw, who left us a lot of notes, but one on Twitter was Uncharted Territory and a change of pace have strengthened Jeff and Rick. Great show to listen to. That was really nice. Oh, that was a really nice thing to say. So I appreciated that. That did, in fact, bring a smile to my face when I read that. He also leave, likes to leave us some great notes on our webpage. Check on our webpage. He leaves some really thoughtful, thought-provoking appreciations for what we're doing. Kind of walks through some of our coverage. So thank you for taking the time to write out your thoughts to us on our webpage. We really appreciate it. But that leads us to Tim Price, the podcrasher, and his show, The Outcasters. And Waffles from Waffles and Mario talk about things. We also like to talk about the people that pay us money to do our show. We really appreciate it, and we like to thank them on our Patreon. They are adorably astonishing and amazing Andrew Burns. Cheerfully cheeky and charming Char Logan. Challenging cheesy and chuckling Charles Gears. Destructive and devastatingly delightful Damian Witter. Dynamically dangerous and devious Doug Jones. Exciting, energetic, and entertaining Edward Verrocci. Intelligent, interesting, and innovative Isaac Perry. Jesting, joking, and jovial Jeff Polier. Just jealous and jeweled Jeremy Daw. Muscly, mighty, and meticulous Matthew Birdsey. 
mythical and magnificently monologuing Matthew Laserwitz. Rudely rhyming and running Rustin Fritcher. Steely, salty, and steamy Sailor Bear Zodar. Sad and sickeningly silly Shag Matthews. Strange and stirringly steady Stephen Gray. Tyrannically terrifying and tame Tim Price. Technically terrific, triumphant Toddy Knock. Way, way wordy and wobbly waffles. Weird and wonderfully wacky wind. And please be sure to check out our other shows that we're on. Sometimes you can find us on the Junior Agent Submissions on the MI6 Rogue Agent episodes of Honor Majesty's Secret Podcast. And I have a monthly Monday movie muckabout on the Longbox Crusade Podcast Network. And we have some merchandise available on Redbubble. Go to redbubble.com and search for Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Jeff and Rick present is a bi-weekly self-produced podcast recorded for a live studio audience full of a line full of coconuts. I'm not kidding, they're on my bed in Portland, Oregon. If you'd like to interact with us through the magic of the internet, you can do so through Twitter at Jeff and Rick present, our Facebook page at Jeff and Rick present, our email address, Jeff and Rick present, all one word at gmail.com, or at our website, Jeff and Rick present.wordpress.com. Also, our YouTube channel is at Jeff and Rick present. And if you would like to help support our show, we are on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com, Jeff and Rick present, all one word. We are also a proud supporter of the Hero Initiative, and we will be donating 10% of our Patreon donations to this great cause. We encourage everyone to give what they can to this worthwhile organization that helps the creators who provide us with such great content. Go to heroinitiative.org to find out more. Please, please rate and review us wherever you can. Tell your friends about us, and tell us you love us on social media. And as always, we want to thank the powerful people in our packs. My wife, Cindy, and our daughter, Carrie. My fiance, Hillary, and our daughter, Aurora. We, we love, love you. Until next time. Costumes, Costumes off. Our theme music is 80s action. Also featured in this episode is Clenched Teeth. All music is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com and is licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 License. Analyzing awesome and amazing... Analyzing awesome and amazing adjacent ah, fudge brownies. Yush. Dark Hawk has fallen for a faint maneuver by Necra that has allowed the skimp Dark Hawk has fallen for a fainting Dark Hawk has fallen for a faint maneuver by Necra that has allowed the skimpy Skimply is what it needs to be. Dark Hawk has fallen for a faint maneuver by Necra that has allowed the skimply clad villainous to grab him like an oversized babes. Try that all over all. again. Just all garbage. I'm going to just add an L. <clears throat> Skimply. <clears throat> bring Rick back. Brought him back from the cornfield. Dark Hawk is. Yeah. <laughs> it seems that that might have set him off a little bit when he. It seems that her doing that might set him. <sighs> it seems that it's that se- might have set him off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>